about your life, etc. Series 1, Episode 3, Crushing a Myth About Anorexia. Hi, Christy. It's so nice to have you on today. For having me, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's nice to meet you, Christy. And when I was young, I'm quite a bit older than you, I remember Karen Carpenter's story. You know, and that was the first time I ever heard about anorexia. And at that time, you know, not much was known about it. And um, that was a big story. And so I was interested in finding out a little bit more about this. And I've read about it over the years, but there's nothing like having a personal experience with some, what you went through. That's better than reading any book or anything. And, and your personal experience can help so many people I know with anorexia. Do you prefer calling it anorexia or anorexia nervosa? Or is there a difference or... Um, I don't have strong feelings either way, but I've always just referred to it as anorexia. Oh, okay. Uh, So in going into your story, I was wondering how old were you when you started noticing maybe your thoughts were getting off or when did you start realizing "Mm, something isn't right here? I um, first started noticing that something was going wrong at 13. I started checking my toothpaste for calorie information and that's when something went through my head like, Ooh, something's not, something's not normal here. And that was my first indication that something was really wrong. That's amazing. I would never even thought about that, you know, that toothpaste and calories. So yeah, that's a definite red flag. Had you been obsessed with your weight before? Were you interested in your body image? Did your family have, you know, make a big deal about body image? You know, how did that connection come about? Do you think? So no, I, I was always really into exercise and eating healthy. You know, that's just, that's always been a a passion of mine ever since I was a kid, but I was never overly concerned with, with my weight and my family never made me feel like I was like I was overweight or anything. I did. I do think that I was predisposed to this type of coping mechanism just because of my personality, because I am already, you know, interested in, in fitness. And because I, I heard my mom talk about her own body a lot. And I noticed that, you know, I would hear my mom talk about like, oh, my thunder thighs. And then I started thinking, oh, oh, my thighs must be really large too. And, you know, that's something that I've tried to catch myself with, with my own daughter is, you know, always speaking positively about myself in front of her. So she doesn't get that as well. And another thing I read about, and again, I I could be wrong, is that perfectionism is also can sometimes contribute to this. Was this an issue that you had? Yes. Yeah. You know, maybe not perfectionism in, in every sense of the word, but certainly holding myself to a high standard and holding myself to an unachievable standard really. And, you know, I, I, I see the biggest piece of my personality that, that kind of led me down this path was a people pleasing aspect to it. Because I, I do remember the moments that these troublesome thoughts actually became a problem. Like I remember when the switch flipped and it was, it was in my in my family's house, I, my mother had died. That's an important part of the story. My, my biological mother, I have a, an adopted mother now, but my biological mother had died and there was a lot of strife. There was a lot of drama between the two parts of my family that were left. You know, my parents had been divorced before the death. So my dad's side of the family, my mom's side of the family, there was a lot of who's going to get the kids, you know, who's going to get the kids, who's going to have a 
a, an impact on their life. And because I'm a people pleaser and I wanted to keep everybody happy and it was just impossible for me to do it. And I was sitting in my aunt, my mother's sister's living room. And I, I referred to my dad and my stepmom as my parents, not because anybody was being replaced, but just because it was easier for the story, just to say my parents and my mother's sister, you know, kind of understandably had a little bit of a meltdown because she, you know, she felt like her sister was being replaced. But it was in that moment that I was like, I I will not hurt these people again. I will not hurt these people again. I will not, you know, I, I will not do anything that's going to upset the apple cart. If I have to hurt myself, to keep the peace here, then that's what I'll do. And from, from that point was when I started using anorexia as a coping mechanism, because I do believe that that's what it really is. It, it's a coping mechanism, but that was a very long answer to your question. No, no. I like, I thought that was very good. And I like that you really, you know, delved into it. Cause that's what I'm interested in really getting to the heart of it. And so do you think also when you say it's a coping mechanism, do you think it's like, your life is out of control in a way. And so it was something you could control. Would that be the way you define it for you? Or would that be a little bit different? No, I I think that's a beautiful way of putting it, you know, that my, because that is exactly what was happening. You know, I couldn't control the drama that was going on in my family. I couldn't control my own future. You know, I had no say really, and whether I was going to live with my dad or my mom's family. And so this gave me something to focus on. I could count calories. I could watch the numbers on the scale go down. And I think that that's, you know, that's a kind of a common misconception with anorexia is I think that people, people believe that it's all about diet and all about, you know, looking a certain way. And of course those are symptoms and that's how it manifests itself, but, but it's so much deeper than that. You know, it's, 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 it's an addiction. It's an addiction to counting those calories. It's an addiction to controlling what food you eat. And just like a drug addict gets all out of sorts when they can't have their drug, I would get all out of sorts when one of my meals was out of my control, when we were going out to eat or when somebody else cooked dinner or, you know, when, when anything happened, it was, it, was just as upsetting to me. And just on a little side note, were you, because I can't believe your story, what you went through, were you able to grieve for your mom as well during this time? Or was even that process kind of curtailed for you during all this drama? I definitely think that it was part of it. My mom died like a year-ish before my anorexia really started. So I did get to have at least a full year of that grieving process before this happened. There was a lot of grieving that happened during the anorexia. And in that, in healing from that, there was a lot of that grief work being done as well. But I mean, just like, just like with any grief process that that's close to you, you know, that grief never really ends. Like I've reached a point of acceptance. I've reached a point where my, where it's become as weird as it sounds like almost a positive force in my life as opposed to a negative force, you know, but it's, but there's still, you know, like when my daughter was born, I kind of grieved my mom all over oh, again. Yeah. And, you know, there's always going to be that cyclical aspect to grief. Yeah. And those milestone moments, you know, that we all have, we want our mom to be there. So like you say, when those ha- the yeah. events happen, they're special moments. And of course, you'll, you'll miss her. Going back to the anorexia. So you started having these thoughts 
and how long did it go between say your first thought like with the toothpaste let's go back to that first thought to when you started really controlling the amount of food you were eating and your exercise how long did that progression take just a couple months i would say did your family notice it or did did they were they so caught up in their own drama that they kind of let it slip noticing where you were heading at first at first, I don't think they, they noticed it, but I don't think they took it as seriously. Cause I know that before I crossed, before I went over the edge, you know, for lack of a better term, I, I did end up asking for help and they, and they did, they brought me to, they brought me to a counselor and, and that counselor was amazing and such, you know, such a good help during the process. It just, you know, I, I should have asked for help a little sooner, I think, because at that point I had already gone over the edge and it was like, okay, now I need to go through this process to get through it. But they, but they noticed and they, they got me help as soon as they possibly could. Now, what led you to ask for help? Because is that, I mean, do a lot of girls or people with anorexia, do they ask for help or is that unusual? Or what was your, what was your aha moment? Like, yo, I need help. I think it was just the, I felt myself going towards a place where I wasn't going to be able to get back from. And I didn't want to get all the way there, but I also, you know, didn't really know how to stop it either. So I was, I was self-aware enough to know like, this isn't good, but I wasn't strong enough to keep myself back from it. How did your family like react? I guess, did they like, when you would say, oh, I don't want to eat much. Did they try to say, oh no, here, eat this, eat this. You know, were they trying to pressure you to eat, not realizing that it was really an emotional, psychological, issue like how are they dealing with it and was that helping or hindering you no my my dad and my stepmother were both very very aware of the deeper issues behind it of course they wanted me to eat and they they tried they would give me like health shakes you know quote unquote or something like that to to help get some calories into me um i actually found out later that the like health shakes that they were giving me were uh my dad was putting melted ice cream in them so that i <laughs> so that i was wouldn't lose some weight um so they were they obviously were concerned about my physical health but they both recognized that that this was way deeper than that. So that's why they they took me to a counselor. At first, I wasn't going to an eating disorder specific counselor because we wanted to treat what was going on inside, not treat, you know, my body image or anything since it wasn't necessarily all about that. But we did end up going there eventually. Um, but they were, you know, they they did their they did their best, but I I do have a strong will, and so once I once I went over the edge, I was pretty determined to keep going. <laughs> That's amazing that you had that self awareness. Do you find in because I know you try to talk to other you know girls that have this or people with anorexia, not just girls have it, I'm sure, but um, do many of them do have that same thought process that you did that I need help and do they try to get help or are sometimes they're on a downward spiral where they don't even want help? I think it depends on their family situation or their friendship situation. You know, I was in, I was very lucky that I was in a place with 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 loving parental units that that I felt comfortable asking for help but I know you know a lot of kids don't have that so I think it all depends that's that's good and so you eventually ended up going to someone specific for anorexia and what how are they different than the other counselor what kind of things did they do differently the biggest difference was that there was a 
big emphasis on showing me the difference in what I was seeing in the mirror and in my mind and the reality. So they did one exercise where they had me draw an outline of what I thought my body looked like. And then I laid down in the middle of it and she drew an outline of what my body actually looked like. And I mean, the the difference was ridiculous, really, you know, and she would give me she would give me tools to kind of stop the spiral, the spiral of thoughts of like, oh, like, you know, I'm, I'm getting fat, like I'm losing. And she would tell me to like stand in a door jam and kind of like, I'm so sorry. Um, (laughs) So sorry. But she would have me stand like in a door jam and put my belly against like the door frame and then close the door, you know, gently against my back so that I could see how wide I was, was the point. So, you know, so I could look at it and be like, okay, like I am actually this wide. I am not, you know, like this wide as I think I am. I'm, I'm actually. Wow. And so she did a lot of that just to kind of illustrate to me, this is how far you've gone. Like, you know, this is how, this is how out of bounds your your view of your own body is and that was that was really helpful to be able to see to be able to see it and really like i think most women could use a check like that because most <laughs> most women whether they're sure. dealing with anorexia or not have a very out of whack view of their body <laughs> it's really true we do and i think yeah. that we're n- most of us aren't really ever happy anyway you know what i mean it's like none yeah. of us are really like oh i like myself all of myself not really <laughs> there's things yeah. about to change uh-huh how long were you in treatment well i guess i want to ask but i'm not sure i should ask you know how much weight did you lose or you know if you look back on those pictures like how scary is that i don't know if i should ask that or not though Oh, it's, it's just fine. If you ask me that now, um, I am, you know, I'm healed. There's no triggers anymore for me, but I started at, you have to remember, okay, I'm 4'11". So I'm, I'm a fairly petite girl to begin with, but I started at 105 pounds and I ended at like 75. It was, it, to be honest, there's not a whole lot of pictures from that time where I'm not wearing ridiculously baggy clothes. So it's hard to see like how skinny I am, but you can tell when you look at my neck as opposed to my head. I mean, I, I don't look well. That's it's a lot. not attractive. To me that's, that's, a, <laughs> to me, that's a lot of weight. I mean, to me, 75 pounds, that's nothing, you know, really. Yeah, it, it wow. was. Yeah. I mean, I know that there are, there are a lot of people that lose a lot more weight, you know, like in just like, you know, a normal diet or an anorexia. So I that like 30 pounds may not sound incredibly dramatic, but when you're 4'11", five pounds is a lot. 30 pounds was way unhealthy. Well, and especially when you think about being a young girl and being active and that's when you're growing and, you know, you need weight, you need calories, you know, because you're growing and you're, you know what I mean? You're, you have a lot of metabolism yeah. when you're young. You know? <laughs> So yeah, you need that. Wow. So that was pretty dramatic. How long were you in treatment for? So I was lucky that I avoided any inpatient treatment, but I was in, I dealt with anorexia for a good two to two and a half years before I was pretty dramatically healed. And at that time, so once you started getting treatment, did your, did your food thoughts you know, slowly, would you say they slowly started changing for the better, you know, became more healthy over, over that two and a half period? Or did you just start eating more healthy? And then the treatment was just the emotional, psychological side? 
I was pretty deep into the anorexia for two and a half years. Like I, uh, even though I was in treatment and they were helping me as much as they could, I was pretty determined. And so I, even up to maybe a week before I really got over it or was really healed, really, I, I was hiding a scale in my locker. Like I, you know, I was pretty, pretty deep into the addiction and into the anorexia. It wasn't until I very literally what happened was I, my mom, or excuse me, my stepmom, we're very close. I call her my mom, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but, but my, my stepmom dropped me off at a, at a DMV and uh, because I needed to get my permit really. And she didn't want to wait in the, in the line with me, which understandable. So, <laughs> so she dropped me off and she had to go, she actually had to do something. She had to go like run an errand or something. So she, she did that. And then she came back and in that time before she came back, there was, there had been no line at the DMV for who knows what reason, you know, miraculously, there was no wait. I just walked in. I took care of what I needed to do to get my permit or fill out the paperwork or whatever it was I needed to do. And then I went and I went around the side of the building and I sat down and I waited for my stepmom to pick me up. And it was the most important, one of the most important moments of my life because I, I prayed, you know, my, my dad and my stepmom are both very, um, very Christian and, and very spiritual. And they uh, had been praying over me this entire time. And I'm sure that that had a big part to do with it. But I prayed and I was just like, God, I, I cannot, I cannot do this anymore. Like, I, I cannot do this anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. I need your help. And I kid you not, in that moment, those thought processes were gone. I still had to relearn how to be hungry and how to know what I was hungry for and, you know, how to listen to my body. I still had to relearn those types of details, but all of the addiction, all of the need to control my calorie intake, all of the need to, to restrict my food, that was all gone. It was pretty, I mean, it was, it was amazing. And so, you know, that's how I got healed. I know that I am lucky because I, you know, don't quote me on the statistic because I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what the current numbers are, but I did read an article while I was in the middle of anorexia that said that only 80, that, excuse me, 80% of the people that deal with anorexia never reach a full recovery. They may learn how to control it, but they, you know, they either learn how to control it or they succumb to the condition, but they never reach a full recovery. And I literally, I, I have no triggers. I, I live my life as somebody that did never suffered with this condition. That's really amazing. And, you know, you made the analogy to it being an addiction. And when you think about someone who recovers even from normal addic other addictions, it is a constant battle for them for the rest of their life. Yeah. You know, to, like you say, avoid triggers and, you know, maybe a fight, maybe the fight gets easier at some point, but it is still a fight for them. So that's pretty remarkable that you don't have that internal struggle anymore. And like you said, you're trying to help your daughter to give her a good, healthy body image and so forth. So, yeah. and I know you're trying yeah. to help The good thing people. is she was born with a very high self-esteem and lots of personalities. So she doesn't seem to need any help from me, <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly what I prayed for. So I'm good with that. <laughs> and you seem like you're a very positive person. So you probably also, you know, there's not a lot of high drama or, you know, a lot of tension in the home, which, you know, can cause problems. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're pretty boring. We don't have much trauma. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good thing. <laughs> 
I think the world, the world on its own is creating enough drama for all of us. If you watch the news and things like that, there's enough drama on the outside. We don't need it in our home. (laughs) It's so fair. (laughs) I'm so glad that I got to talk to you, Christy. Like I said, this has been a topic that, you know, I've been interested in for, for so long. And I'm so happy to hear your story of how you recovered and how you're going on to lead a very happy, healthy, normal life. And well, I think it's nice of you to share your story. And to me, you're sharing your story is hopefully other people that are listening to this will get a better understanding of the disorder. And so you are hopefully will reach some people that will learn a little something. Christy, it was great having you. I hope all the best for you and your family. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on today. The views expressed by the guests do not necessarily represent the views or lifestyle of the creator of this podcast. Thank you. Mm -hmm.